You may have noticed we're in 1 Peter this morning, 1 Peter chapter 2, if you want to start turning there, we'll be up here behind me. Last week, we, we talked about, from 2 Chronicles 7.14, we talked about it is our obligation to humble ourselves and pray and seek the face of God and repent, turn from our sin. It's our obligation to do so uh, according to Scripture, according to 2 Chronicles 7.14. Now, it isn't the way we normally want to do things, is it? What we want to do is blame the other guy. It's clearly their fault for all that's going on. And so it, it goes against our human nature. Now, I have, I have news for you. Things in God's world are different than things in the human world. Uh, you know, we are told consistently through Scripture that if we want to receive, we must give. That if we want to win, we must surrender. We're, we're told consistently through Scripture that God's economy, if you want to call it that, is completely different than ours. And we're going to see that again today. We're going to see that from 1 Peter chapter 2. Because in 1 Peter chapter 2, what he's talking about is our reaction to the world. He's saying, this, when the world treats you badly, do this. Now, what's our natural reaction? We to react in kind, right? If we're treated badly, we want to treat them badly. That's how it works. And that's not how it works in God's economy. And we're going to see that as we, uh, as we go forward this morning. Last week, the why of, of why we, we humble ourselves and pray and seek his face and repent, turn from our wicked ways, the why is so that he will hear from heaven, forgive our sin, and heal our land. This morning, the why is because it's the will of God. It, we'll see. It is the will of God. It, he, he says, because of the Lord. He says, it is God's will that you silence the ignorance of foolish people. It's, that's, the, that's our why. Our why is because it's what God wants for us. So let's read Second, or I'm sorry, 1 Peter chapter 2. I'm going to start in verse 13. Submit to every human authority because of the Lord whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors as those sent by him to punish those who would do what is evil and to praise those who would do what is good. For it is God's will that you silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing good. Submit as free people, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but as God's slaves. Honor everyone. Love the brothers and sisters. Fear God honor the emperor. So let's talk first about the context of this verse, because the context is really very critical to our understanding of it. The letter of 1 Peter is written to encourage believers who are suffering persecution. And it, it, it talks about suffering, and it talks about the, how Christ's suffering gives us salvation. It brings us salvation. So, so it talks about us and Christ and suffering and, that, and, and that's the, the overall theme of the letter. Now, Peter uses a lot of Old Testament references. Um, if you look at, at chapter 2, he, he talks about us being a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. That's directly from Exodus 19, the covenant with the original people of God. And then in verses 21 to 25, we see the suffering servant of Isaiah, 
And so he uses a lot of, of Old Testament ideas to present his argument against, or, or his argument for how we should react when we're persecuted. Now, these are important because the people of God were the original nation. Remember, they were, they were a bunch of slaves in Egypt, and he made them into a nation. He made them into a people. They were not a people, and they became one. And so Peter tells, tells us, we still are that holy nation. We don't belong here. We belong there. Our home is in heaven. And so we're sojourners, exiles, as he calls us in, in, in chapter 2 here, sojourners and exiles on our way home to heaven. That's important because the, this, this idea of submitting to human authority doesn't make any sense unless we look at it from God's economy, unless we look at it as, as a people of God being separate and holy from the world. So the context is critical. It's also important to note, uh, Peter was, history tells us that Peter was martyred for his faith in 66 AD. Now, that, so clearly he wrote this before he was, he was killed. And tradition says he was martyred, he, he was hung on a cross upside down because uh, he didn't want to be hung like Christ. He didn't feel like he was worthy of being hung like Christ. He was hung upside down on a cross. Tradition tells us that. But if he wrote this before 66 AD, then he wrote this during the, the, the time when Nero was emperor of Rome. Nero was known, he's famous for his persecution of Christians. Nero was worse to Christians than any other emperor. He blamed the great fire of Rome on Christians. And so what he did was he'd have them arrested, tortured, he would feed them to wild dogs, he would dip them in pitch and hang them in the courtyard, lighting them on fire to light his courtyard. That's who Nero was. And that's who, when Peter writes, was in charge. That's who the emperor was. <coughs> Excuse me. When, when Peter writes this. So is that important for us to, to think about? When he says, submit to human authority, when he says, honor the emperor, he's telling these people to honor an emperor that was lighting them on fire to light his courtyard. It's important for our, for our understanding of the text. So what does it say about God? It says that God wants us to show him to the world. I'll say again, these instructions don't make any sense unless we understand that we are sojourners and exiles here. We are the nation of Christians. We are God's holy people. And so we are separate from the rest of the world. We're separate from these human institutions. That it's the only way that this makes sense. That we do this because God wants us to show him to the world. We should stand out. In this world, we as the people of God should be different than the rest of the world. When everyone else reacts, we should not. We are different. We're separate. We're holy. It also says that grace requires suffering. Now, now that's kind of a, an, an interesting theological point. In order to show God's grace to us, what had to happen? 
Christ had to suffer. Grace requires suffering. It, it consistently tells us through 1 Peter that Christ suffered and died. Give us an example to show us that, that grace requires suffering. It, said, it also tells us that it is God's will for us to do good. Now, I know that that seems like a simple statement, but even when it hurts, we're supposed to do the right thing. Let me give you an easy example. Writing, writing the check to the IRS. It hurts. Nobody likes it. We don't do it with a great big smile on our face, but it's the right thing to do. And so God's will is for us to do the good thing, the right thing. And it says that Jesus is our example. Did anybody in history have the right to say, I don't need to suffer? Jesus did. Did anybody in history have the right to say, nope, I don't have to pay this price? Jesus did. Nobody else. All of us know we have a sin problem. All of us know that, that we deserve some of the stuff that comes our way. Jesus didn't deserve any of it. If anybody had the right to, to stand up and say no to suffering and to stop it, he had the power to stop it, and he didn't. Verse 21 here says, You were called to this because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his footsteps. We are, we are going to suffer. And when we do, Jesus is our example. He's the example of how to go through it. And then, it, again, it says, God intends to show himself through us. Now, this is a little bit different. By, by, by this, I mean, we have a responsibility to show God to the world. We have, God intends to use us. Now, think about this. He is absolutely perfect, and we are far from it. He is full of grace and truth and love and forgiveness, and we have a hard time with all of those. <laughs> but he intends to use us. He intends to show himself through us. We have a responsibility to stand and show God because that's his plan to show himself to the world. So what does this say about us? It says we're the people of God. Look at the context here again. Uh, we're, we're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. We are, we are the new nation of God. We are the continuation of the nation of God. We are the people of God. Now that should mean we're different. Israel stuck out in its, in its culture and, and place and still does. We should stick out here. We should be the, 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 the people of God that stand out in our culture, especially in the culture that, that we have right now, where everything is, is, is cancel it or react to it. We should not be those. We should be the ones that are responding in grace and love. We should be the ones responding, showing his love, his forgiveness, 
His grace, His love, His patience. All of the things we're not good at are the stuff we need Him and, and, and for. We need Him for, and we need to show His to the world. It says that we don't belong here. Again, I say, none of this instruction makes any sense, even especially in the cultural and historical context that it was given. When Nero is lighting Christians on fire, Peter is saying, submit to authority. It doesn't make any sense unless we understand we don't belong here. This, this, the song, one of my favorite hymns of all time, I'll Fly Away, that's us. That's us. We don't belong here. We are, we are passing through here on our way to our home. It tells us that we, when we learn to suffer and show grace, they're showing Christ because that's who he was. You know, all the way through the New Testament, Christ continually says, in all four Gospels, he says the master or the servant is not greater than the master. So if he suffered, we should expect to suffer because the servant is not greater than the master. We have to show him. And when we show him, when we show grace in the midst of suffering, we're showing Christ to the world. So what must we do? We must first submit to God. It doesn't work any other way. It doesn't work to submit to human authority outside of the idea of submitting to God's plan first. Submitting to God's will first. We must submit to God. And we must trust God with our present and our future. Right now, the future seems so uncertain and, and, and frankly bad. There, there's, there's very little time in history where, they, where you don't look forward to next year. But I can't say I'm looking forward to anything anymore. It, it, the news just keeps getting worse, it seems. We need to trust God's plan. We need to trust that we are here on purpose, with a purpose, and that purpose is showing him to the world. Now, we submit to human authority first to God, then to human authority, but there is a limitation on it, isn't there? Peter tells us here to submit to human authority, but, he, but it was Peter who said in Acts 5 that we ought to obey God rather than men. So if there is a point at which submitting to human authority means violating the clear command of God, then we don't submit to that. We submit to God first. Remember, it's always submitting to God first. That's the only way this, this instruction even works, is, is to submit to God first. And so we must show God to the world. We show his grace. We show his love. We show his mercy. We, we show his forgiveness. Not because we have those things in abundance, but because we've been given those things in abundance. So let's look at verse 15, phrase by phrase. The first section is, is, for it is God's will. You know, the word will here has kind of a compound meaning. It, it is the desire of God, and it is also a purpose statement. 
It's the purpose of God and the desire of God for us to do good. For us to silence the, the, the ignorance of the fool by doing good. It's God's purpose and God's desire. Have you ever considered, have you ever asked yourself why when you came to Christ you weren't immediately transported to heaven? It's right here. Because it's God's desire to, for you to show the world who he is. Now that you know him, you're supposed to show the world who he is. That's why we're all still here. That you silence the ignorance of foolish people. These are interesting words. Silence means to shut the mouth or, or render speechless. Ignorance is the absolute opposite of knowledge. You have the... the uh, Gnosko is the, is the Greek word for, uh, for wisdom or, or for knowledge that comes by experience. And this is agonosko. So this is literally the opposite. Like we have moral and amoral. It's ex the exact opposite of knowledge. They have no knowledge of God. So we, we, we silence, we shut the mouth or render speechless the one with no knowledge. And then Peter's a Jewish guy. And so when he calls somebody a fool, he's, he's got this idea in his head of the, the Hebrew idea of a fool. The Hebrew idea of a fool is somebody that's empty-headed. It literally comes from the word in Hebrew, empty-headed. So we are to, to shut the mouth of or render speechless the one with no knowledge who is empty-headed without wisdom. That's what we're supposed to do. And how do we do that? By doing good. Here's the, here's the how of the why. We talked about, we talked about the, the, the why. The why is because God, it's God's will. It's God's desire. It's God's purpose. This is the how, by doing good. This is how we get to the world. This is how, how the, we stand out from the rest of the world. How we don't look like everybody else. How we don't act like everybody else because we are doing good even when everybody else is not. This is his purpose. This is his desire for us. This is how we're going to show him to the world by doing good to silence the ignorance of the fool. So what's the comfort and the challenge of this verse? I think the comfort is in knowing that suffering has a purpose. It's meant to make us more like Christ. It's meant to show God to the world. We can see a higher purpose in our suffering by, uh, by looking at it this way. And it makes grace possible because suffering is required for grace. I've said this many times from this, this platform and I'll say it again. We have been given grace in order to be gracious. We have been given love in order to be loving. We have been forgiven in order to be forgiving. We have been blessed in order to be a blessing. God, that is God's will and God's purpose for us. There is, I, I think, great comfort in knowing there is a God that is in charge, and we submit to him and him first. Priority always. But there's the challenge also. Submission. We don't even like the word. We don't like to submit to human authorities. 
We, in fact, we fight submitting to God, don't we? We fight the idea that God, God actually wants our entire life, not just Sunday morning, but our entire life. We don't like to submit, but this is his purpose. This is his desire Remember this, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Why? So that we may proclaim the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Will you trust God enough to submit to him? And will you trust God enough to submit to human authority? That's a question between you and God, and so I'm going to ask that you bow your heads. Do you first need to submit to God? You can. It's a simple prayer. First, we just acknowledge that we have sin in our lives. God, I know that I have sin in my life. I've done things wrong. I've said things wrong. I've thought things wrong. And I know the Bible calls that sin. But I trust that Jesus suffered and died for me. That he suffered and died in my place on that cross so that I can have grace. If you trust Christ for the first time this morning, you need to let somebody know. Elbow your neighbor and let them know. Come and let me know. Maybe you know Christ, but submission still isn't really in your wheelhouse. I got news for you, you're not alone. It's not in anybody's wheelhouse. But it's what we do as Christians, as a, as a, a holy nation, as a chosen people. We submit to God as king. Will you submit to God as king? And then to his purpose for you by doing good to silence the ignorance of fools. Father, we thank you for this, your word. We thank you, Father. For, this is tough instruction. This is not how our sin nature wants us to respond. Help us. Remind us of this, that we are yours first. And that your purpose, your desire for us is to do good. We thank you. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.